Well, hello everybody. Welcome to our second talk in the life of David, a man after God's heart. Today we are looking at the story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel chapter 17. In fact, as I've been thinking about this chapter, there's so much in it, we'll be here for the next two or three weeks at least. Uh, if you don't know the story, you haven't read it for a while, can I suggest you pause this now and read 1 Samuel chapter 17 and then rejoin us. Now let's pray that God will speak. We praise you, Lord God, that you are the same yesterday, today and forever, the same God who helped David to defeat Goliath all those years ago. Send your spirit on us now uh, and speak to us, we pray, and give us more of David's heart for you and trust in you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was reminded uh, while I was preparing this, of uh, the expression, nail your colours to the mast. I don't know if you know where that expression comes from. Uh, in the age of sail, ships were identified by the flags they flew or the colours they flew from the top of their masts. At a time before radio, these flags or colours were vital and they allowed sailors to identify who was on their side and who was the enemy. Uh, this action has given rise to all sorts of English phrases. Uh, sometimes ships would disguise themselves by hoisting false colours and they would fly under false colours. If they suddenly changed their flags to reveal their true identity, they would be showing their true colours. In a sea battle, any ship that wanted to surrender would lower her colours. There's a story of how during the great sea battle of Camperdown in 1798 between the Royal Navy and the Dutch Navy, the colours of the British flagship were shot down. Recognising the danger that it might look like the British ship had surrendered, uh, a sailor, Jack Crawford, climbed to the top of the main mast and ignoring heavy fire, he replaced the colours, nailing them to what was left of the mast. The battle continued, eventually the Dutch fleet was destroyed and some historians consider that it was this victory that allowed Britannia to rule the waves for the next hundred years or more, in which case Jack Crawford's single act of heroism of nailing his colours uh, to the mast had consequences of extraordinary significance. It's a bit like that with the story of David and Goliath, his heroism in nailing his colours to the mast, uh, of deciding that, that this Goliath, this giant, could not defy the armies of the living God anymore. Uh, of that act of heroism had enormous consequences for the whole nation. Uh, it took great courage. Faith and courage are very closely aligned. And faith is the opposite of fear. Uh, David, rather than focusing on being afraid of Goliath, has a much greater focus on the majesty of the living God, what is often called the fear of the Lord. And today I want to think about those two fears, the fear of Goliath and the fear of the Lord. Uh, I'm very struck that David is shocked at Israel's fear. Verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17. Uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David could not understand how Goliath could badmouth God and get away with it. David sees Goliath compared to the living God, so he's not terrified of him. David's heart is right before God. We saw that last week 
He's been filled with the Spirit of God after he was anointed with Samuel. We saw that last week. But what a contrast with Saul and the Israelites who are terrified of Goliath. Uh, In verse 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They look at the gigantic warrior and they're full of fear. Now, some fears are healthy. If there's a car coming fast down the middle of the road and you're still in the road, uh, you're right to be afraid and it leads you to get out the way quickly. Those sorts of fear come and go quickly. But there's another sort of fear that takes up residence in your heart. This has a spiritual force that fills you with unbelief. And this sort of fear is not healthy at all. And Saul had this sort of fear. He had stopped focusing on the living God and was far more concerned with what was going on around him. In chapter 15, verse 24, we read, he was afraid of what the men thought, so he disobeyed God. And now that fear has infected his whole army. Uh, Verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw Goliath, they fled from him in great fear. That sort of fear is the expression in our emotions of unbelief in our hearts and our minds. It's rooted in the lie that God can't do something about it or God won't do anything to help. And it's the opposite of faith. And David is shocked and he's right to be shocked. And so am I when I find it among God's people. Christians know that Jesus uh, rose from the dead. He paid for our sins. He defeated all that the devil could throw at him. He rose again. And we are not only forgiven and adopted into his family, but he has filled us with his Holy Spirit. And God is far greater than anything that can come against us. So I hate it when churches, or church leaders especially, operate out of fear rather than faith. Nothing is impossible with God. And this story is a wonderful reminder of that. Now David has proved God's faithfulness in years gone by already. He's not very old. Uh, But have a look uh, from verse 33. Saul is talking with David. Saul says, you're not able to go and fight against this Philistine. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Uh, David had experienced God's rescue and he knew the stories of old. He knew the stories of God rescuing Israel under Moses from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He knew the stories of Joshua taking the land. He knew the stories of God doing seemingly impossible things when you step out in faith and trust him. And so he is utterly shocked at the leaders of God's people being terrified into inaction by Goliath. Now, when we face different threats, it reveals our true colours. Do we lift our eyes to the Lord and trust in him? Or do we operate the same as everybody else without a faith? Do we focus uh, on this problem that is that we're facing? And does it paralyze us? 
And it's not that in our own strength we can deal with things. I love the saint of old who prayed, I can't, but to God you can. Now we all face threats to our faith. Uh, the devil roars around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, but we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5 to resist him standing firm in our faith. And just as Goliath triggered fear in the people of Israel all those years ago, there's things that trigger fear in us. It may be that after more than 10 weeks of lockdown, then this coronavirus season, that it is getting wearing and there's all sorts of things bubbling up in you uh, that are causing you to doubt or to fear. Or perhaps you're more worried about what others think of you or of getting things wrong or of being a failure. We all face all sorts of different fears. And the question is, do we focus on them or do we focus on the Lord? And I want to encourage you, uh, based on the way David acted, to lift your eyes to the Lord and focus on him instead. Instead of the fear of Goliath or the circumstances, whatever they are, we need a healthy fear of the Lord. Now that phrase is used in the Bible a lot. It's not mentioned in this story as such, but David exhibits a wonderful fear of the Lord. If we fear the Lord, then we needn't fear anything or anyone else. And now the fear of the Lord is not the same as being afraid of the Lord. We're told 365 times in the Bible not to be afraid. But the danger today is of having a lesser view of God. Simon Ponsonby says, uh, we don't think about him as the almighty, we think about him as the almighty, and we're a bit chummy with him. Now it's right that we are intimate with God, he's our heavenly father, he loves us, but we still need a healthy reverential fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a mixture of awe and reverence, worship, delight, honor, confidence, love, thankfulness and devotion. And that to help us get a sense of a biblical fear of the Lord, I want to look up half a dozen different verses of the Bible. So in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses two and three, we read this about the fear of the Lord. It's something that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings this. Uh, it says the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is something we delight in, not something that leads us to be afraid. Well, back in Exodus chapter 20, I'll try and get the right reference here, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20, after Moses has given the Ten Commandments, Moses says this, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So we're not to be afraid, but we're still to have the fear of the Lord. Or in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, God says this, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always, so it might go well with them and their children. Uh, the fear of the Lord, when we get that right, is a right relationship to the Lord, so that it goes well with us. You get it a lot in the Psalms. I've been reading Psalm 103 and focusing on that these last few weeks. Uh, Psalm 103 verse 13 says, as, the, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. Or verse 17, 
from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. The fear of the Lord is getting this right attitude to God. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be wise, we need to get God in the right place. Uh, and there's a lovely description in Acts chapter 9 of the early church uh, after St Paul was converted, which says this, Acts 9 verse 31. The church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Now I long for our church at St Paul's to uh, be like that, to live in the fear of the Lord, to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit and to see the Lord growing us healthily. So that conjures up a sort of picture of the fear of the Lord. I don't know if you follow uh, Lectio 365, the app, but on Saturday there was a quote from Pope Francis who described the fear of the Lord as a joyful awareness of God's majesty. Let me give you a couple of other illustrations. Do you know the Narnia stories? I love those where Aslan the lion is the Jesus figure in the stories. And when the children first come into Narnia in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, they hear they're about to meet Aslan the lion. And Lucy asks Mr Beaver, oh, I think I should be rather afraid of meeting a lion. Is he safe? And Mr Beaver says, safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. And that, that conjures up this fear of the Lord beautifully. The Lord is not safe, but he's good. Or a friend who lives by the sea thinks of the fear of the Lord a bit like a fear of the sea. You can love the sea, you can play in the sea, you can delight in the sea. But you need to have a healthy fear of the power of the sea. Or a bit like electricity, we use it in our houses. It's very powerful, we need to be careful and wise about it. You need a healthy fear of it. So the contrast here is between the fear of Goliath who led Saul and the army to be terrified, and David who had this fear of the Lord. However weak you might feel, with God, you're in the majority. So don't focus on the size of the problem. Lift your eyes and focus on the size of the Lord. As Mary said, uh, or as the Lord said to Mary through Gabriel, nothing is impossible with him. Well, let me go back to our chapter, 1 Samuel 17. Uh, in verse 45, David puts it like this as he confronts Goliath. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So we need to lift our eyes to the Lord above whatever the things are that drag us down or make us afraid. So I've got two questions to end with, and I want to give a bit of a short answer to both the questions, but then encourage those of you who are in small groups or prayer triplets 
to discuss those and turn them to prayer. Uh, the first question, how can we grow in the fear of the Lord? And the second question, what do we do if we find there is a fear that is paralyzing us? So how do we grow in the fear of the Lord? Well, two things uh, particularly. Spend time in worshipping God, in singing his praise, in focusing on his majesty. We often describe worship as magnifying the Lord. It's not that we make him any bigger, but he becomes bigger in our consciousness, bigger in our sights. Uh, and then we get the, whatever we're facing into perspective. Worship is one way to grow in the fear of the Lord. And another way is to meditate on the scriptures, especially the promises in God's word, and to dwell on those. A daily feeding on God's word in the scripture has an enormous effect deep down. It grows our spiritual roots deep down. Uh, so we wind up with a deepening trust in God, a fear of the Lord. Uh, conversely, when that doesn't happen over many days or many weeks or many months, we wind up being more paralyzed by the fear of everything else that is around us. So the second question, what do we do when we recognize there is a particular issue or fear that we are facing? Well, I want to remind you of the five R's that we've often used as a church, as a framework for dealing with this. Now, the first R is to recognize it. So it may be recognizing that there's a lie we've believed that God can't deal with this. Of course he can. Uh, or we may recognize that we're more afraid of what others think of us than what God thinks of us. We need to recognize it. The second R is to repent of it, to repent of believing the lie or repent of focusing on what others think more than what God thinks. Uh, the third R is to receive God's forgiveness and to receive fresh filling with his Holy Spirit. The fourth R is to rebuke the devil and all the forces of evil who would whisper these lies into our minds and fill our thinking with fear. We rebuke the evil one. So it says in 1 Peter 5, resist the evil one and he will flee from you. And the fifth R is to replace whatever the fear has been uh, with a, a healthy fear of the Lord instead of a fear of other people. We replace that with a fear of the Lord. And uh, you may want to talk those through and pray those through. But let me finish with a prayer now for all of us. Lord God, our Father, you know that we are weak and there are many things which drag us down, uh, particularly with this coronavirus having gone on for nearly three months now. Uh, we're finding it wearing and many of our weaknesses come to the forefront and some of our fears too. We thank you for David and his wonderful example of what it is to fear you above anyone or anything else. Give us, we pray, a greater fear of the Lord. Help us as we worship you and feed on your word every day. Guide us by your spirit to deal with the lies we've believed behind any of these different fears. And help us as we encourage each other in our triplets and formations, in prayer partnerships and small groups, to lift our eyes to you. And we ask not only this week, but in the uh, weeks ahead, as we look at the life of David, that you would develop in us more of a heart 
for you and that we would be more concerned with what you think than what anyone else thinks. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.